What up, brawlers? Welcome back to Throwing Hands, the f- boxing and UFC podcast of U92, the Moose. I am Jacob Janoski, your moderator for this podcast, and alongside me is Daniel Woods. Daniel, how are we doing today? I'm doing pretty well, Jacob. I'm doing pretty well. All right, so we're just going to hop right into this. So first off, we're going to go over the main event, Romero versus Adesanya. Was it a dud? That's That's an interesting way... To look at it, and I think it's a question that we're probably going to be asking for a while around uh, around UFC because it was so highly anticipated that I mean anything less than an instant classic I feel like was going to be seen as a dud. But I think when you compare it to to a lot of fights that we've seen recently, I mean, was was it a great fight? Was it the most exciting thing we've ever seen? No, but. I think if you take a step back and look at the strategy that each of these guys took, especially Adesanya once he figured out that Romero really wasn't going to stand and throw with him, the strategy he took chopping him down at the leg, I think uh, we're going to be able to look back at the strategy that we saw in this fight and still see it maybe not as, as like I said, an instant classic that a lot of people were expecting it to be, uh, but still a, a pretty good fight from, I would say, from a fighter's fighter perspective. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. One thing that really surprised me with this fight was that uh, Adesanya didn't really... No, not Adesanya. Yoel Romero didn't really use his grappling that much. I, I expected, I ex- really expected him to take him, try to take him to the ground more rather than play uh, off the ground, really. So, and I think if he had maybe... I mean, whenever he tried to take him on the ground, that was about three times, he really... he Adesanya really worked on his takedown defense in preparation for this fight. I would have to agree with that. You know, that's one of the questions we've always seen uh, when taking on Israel Adesanya is you have to get him off his feet because he's so unorthodox in his striking and he's so versatile in his striking that you never know what to expect from him when you're on your feet. And to avoid that uncertainty, you have to get him on the ground. And with somebody that was uh, an Olympic medalist as a freestyle wrestler like Yoel Romero, you would expect him to attack that as hard as he could, and while he did go for some takedowns, as you said, it wasn't, it didn't appear to be the centerpiece of his strategy, which surprised me a decent bit. What surprised me a decent bit too was like toward the end, he's like with 30 seconds left, he started to get real aggressive with Adesanya, and that kind of ticked me off because I expected him to be aggressive all that fifth round, but rather than you know going for the blow more toward the beginning of the round. But he just waited to the end, and he didn't have that much time to really do much with Adesanya. But, I mean, Adesanya, like you said, he, he really did pick a... He did well in this fight in the sense that he knew he wasn't going to grapple that much, so he stayed, kept his distance, and he just attacked the leg. And Adesanya is such a tough fighter with his uh, with his switch stance. So I think that kind of threw Romero off in a sense. I would have to agree with that. Just Adesanya is he's so long and he's so quick in in those adjustments that he makes during the fight that 
he's he's tough to scout. He's tough to prepare for, and I think Yoel Romero ran into a bit of a problem with that because I think he was probably expecting to or his strategy it looked to be was to let Adesanya come after him and try to get him to the ground with a with a right hand or I don't know what and finish him from there and. Adesanya was perfectly content to sit there, and a lot of times, like we see, uh, interestingly enough, in high school basketball, where teams, if you don't have a shot clock, teams will sit there and hold the ball for minutes on end. Adesanya was perfectly content to just sit there, drill Romero the entire fight with leg kicks, and take it to a decision. Yeah, and Romero was pretty content on just standing there at the beginning of the fight. He stood, he's pretty much stood in place for a good minute, minute yeah. and a half. And like, um, when I saw that happen, I just went, "Come on, man! I want a, I want a good fight." And I just, it was a good fight from a fighting perspective because it was more like picking apart mm-hmm. your opponent rather than the, ne- the next fight that we're going to talk about where they just went at each other. So, you know, I think that's about it for this fight. What do you think's next for uh, Yoel Romero? It's an interesting one for Romero because he's lost four of his last five now, which I think this is it for him as far as the middleweight title picture. <sighs> I could see him, people have talked about him as kind of the gatekeeper of the title picture in middleweight in, in the last year or so, and I think he probably falls more into that category. Mm-hmm. I, I think somebody like Darren Till, uh, who's just moved into into that weight class, will probably have to go through him to get a title shot. Uh, I could see a, a situation where... Uh, Romero fights Till this summer, and if Till gets through him, he gets Adesanya later in the year. Uh, that That's probably the kind of fight I would look for for Yoel Romero, somebody that's an up-and-comer uh, in the division and um, needs a, a marquee win to move into that upper echelon. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think with uh, uh, Romero, like let's say someone – beats Adesanya, which I don't foresee happening in the future with how no. Adesanya fights. He's so unpredictable. Let's say let's say Till beats Adesanya. And I think Romero could challenge Till in a sense yeah. toward the end there. But I think if that's the only chance I see him having a title fight in the middleweight division. He won't get Adesanya again. Yeah, he won't. Unless unless uh, Dana White wants something else, I guess. So I think we already touched on this a little bit. What's next for Adesanya? The way I've been envisioning things since even before this Romero fight was Adesanya needs three wins in 2020 to set up a John Jones fight in 2021. And that involves a win here against Yoel Romero. And I'm blanking on who I had him fighting this summer. And it bothers me so much right now. Did you say, can- I want to say you said Cannoneer. Uh, or- yeah. somebody, oh. somebody on the echelon of of Jared Cannonier or, or even a rematch with Robert Whitaker, some convincing title fa- defense in the summer, a marquee fight this summer, and then a win over Darren Till towards the end of 2020, uh, if he if Till can get to that point of challenging for the middleweight title, and then he steps up, is goes three and zero through this year, and gets a maybe the biggest fight we've ever seen in the UFC against John Jones in 2021. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like. Oh, it's Paulo Costa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Co- Costa's next. He's the yeah. mandatory challenge. Mandatory challenger. It was Paulo Costa this summer, and then a win over Darren Till in late 2020 to set up Jones in 2021. Yeah, I, I'm excited for that Costa fight. That'll be a that'll be a, a 
pretty high-paced one, mm-hmm. I think, in my opinion. I think Coastal will definitely take That's it That's two him. undefeated guys. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be probably one of the most anticipated fights in UFC history, without a doubt. So I think, I think we, beat, we beat the bush in this one. So we're going to head to the co-main event, which was absolutely phenomenal. Zhang Weili against uh, Joanna Jandetrick. What do you got for this one, man? What do you think? Everything we were expecting the main event to be, we got in this fight. My opinion, it's the greatest women's mixed martial arts fight we've ever seen. The the greatest women's fight of all time. And the first two minutes was probably these two feeling each other out. I think that's what we saw as this one started. But then the rest of it was just absolute war with them going back and forth. It's one of the more impressive fights I've seen regardless of gender, regardless of even discipline between MMA, boxing, yeah. kickboxing, anything like that. That was I I couldn't take my eyes off of the TV screen when I was watching that fight. I mean, these two these two ladies were just going at it with each other. It was fireworks. I mean, I expected this in the main event. I expected this in the co-main event too because these are two very very skilled fighters, both future UFC Hall of Famers for sure. And I think this fight will definitely land itself in the UFC Hall of Fame one day. I would agree, and honestly, you talk about these two being future UFC Hall of Famers. Are, are we at a point where we can start bringing uh, Zhang Weili into that conversation for the greatest women's fighter of all time? I mean, she's twenty-two and one, and that loss came over six years ago. It was her first fight in, in ever her too. first fight in a regional promotion in China. Yeah, I I can definitely see Zhang Weili doing that, uh, definitely becoming a UFC Hall of Famer because of that. And I mean, she she's beaten. I mean, she's basically just ran through that division. Mm-hmm. I th- she has a oh, what's her Nami Yunus really right. left in that division to really fight. She she beat Andraj now uh, Jen Jatrick, and I think she really just has to go through y- Nami Yunus in order to move up. Probably, I would think so. So I th- if she goes through Nami, she's completely cleaned out that strawweight division, and there's not really another challenger. At least at this time, there could be somebody uh, come flying up the ranks in the next couple months in that time period, but there's nobody outside of Rosnami Yunus in that division that she has even been really challenged by. Yeah, I think I was worried when Zhang got to the championship rounds because she had never really been there before, right. and most of Jen Jatrick's uh, wins, a fair amount of them, have come in the championship rounds, and I think... I think she expected to really go to the championship rounds. I didn't. I think she knew the the caliber that Jaden Chasrick was as a fighter coming into the match, and she probably expected it to go to the championship rounds. I think that's what she prepared for in uh, training camp. I would have to think so. Again, like you said, she's never been in this position before. We talk about how she's dominated that division uh, with taking down Jedrzejczyk being kind of that next step to where there's one challenger left for her at strawweight. But this was still her first title defense. Uh, It's really interesting to see somebody uh, that in November of 2018 uh, was in her second fight in the UFC, the first coming in August, and less than two years later, she's at the pinnacle of the sport. It's, I would say... She's, She's become a face. It's one of the more unprecedented rises in mixed martial arts that we've seen, I would say, ever. Yeah, I, I've never really seen that. I mean, Ronda Rousey, I don't think she, she hasn't really gotten to, she's probably gotten to the level of Ronda Rousey, in my opinion, in the sense of, like, publicity. In, in, a, in, a, in an MMA sense, I would, I, I don't think. Not as, like, a super, she's not general superstar. close set. to the mainstream yeah. attention that Ronda Rousey received in, in her peak, 
But I think she's, at this point, at least uh, in MMA circles, an even more sustained star than Ronda Rousey was. Yeah, because Ronda Rousey, uh, when she when she began to fight, she was really the only star in the UFC. She right. was the one that just came out, and then when Holly Holm came and just knocked her out with that kick and then put her on the ground, then 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 more women started to rise in the U- UFC mm-hmm. because that, that diverted our attention away from Rousey. But in like you said in MMA circles, I think Zhang Wei Li is definitely on the level of Ronda Rousey from like back in her peak, and I just she's phenomenal. I I can't wait for her next fight. So what do you think is next for Joanna? That's an interesting thing because like we said, there's not much left at strawweight for these these top level contenders. I mean, maybe a Jessica Andrade fight. I don't. I don't really know what to look for for her uh, moving forward. The the separation at the top of that division is pretty high. Uh, is it's may it's, end up? It's very top it's heavy. Very top heavy. She may end up with somebody like Tatiana Suarez. I'm not really sure where her next step is because the the top of that division is so far separated from probably i'd say five or six down through 15 even in the rankings yeah i'd definitely say so i mean we have to take into account she's a 32 year old woman right and she's just getting old and like this was really her last chance to do something in this division in the ufc in general could she if zhang Li somehow loses against nami yunish could she come back for another title fight there's a chance but I don't think it's too great of a chance, in my opinion. But yeah. I just see, I can see her like maybe co-maining like a fight night or or something, something like on like that. UFC on ESPN. But I don't see her on something like you know UFC 256 or something. Speaking like of that. which, UFC on ESPN eight, Cody Garbrandt just pulled out with a kidney issue, so that could get interesting at some point. Uh, that card, of course, just being at the end of this month, if it doesn't yeah. get canceled by the yeah. COVID-19 well, problem. Well, it, it probably probably will get canceled because it's in Columbus, right. and the governor just banned gatherings of over 100 people, and like excludes, excludes churches, grocery stores, and stuff like that. So right. I, it'll probably be happening behind closed doors. Dang, I was really looking forward to that, man, because <laughs> they extended our break. I'm from Columbus. I was so excited for that. Yeah. So do you think if Zhang Wei Li beats Nami Yunus, she'll move up and fight Shevchenko? I'm not sure there's another option for her. Yeah. Because, I mean, stepping up to Shevchenko, that's obviously... That's a big that's step. That's a big step. But, again, it's a position where if she beats Rose Nami Yunus, she's already beat Jedrzejczyk, she's beat Jessica Andrade, there's no one else to challenge her in strawweight. Yes, yeah. It's... It's kind of a darn if you do, darn if you don't situation because anytime you have a champion moving up and down in weight classes, it's it's gonna cause waves because I mean if she goes up and gets dominated by Shevchenko and then tries to come back down to no, straw weight, it, you, what do you do with that? People are gonna be like, no, 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 right? Like I, that's that's what I fear from it. But and the thing is, Wang uh, Wei Li will probably have to she'll have to gain ten pounds. Pro- for sure to go up into this division easily and but she's she doesn't have the stature for no. that division too much she's what's she five three she's not big yeah she's five three hundred fifty she's like my sister's size and like shevchenko is a solid five six five seven one twenty five one thirty whaley came in at five four one fifteen uh for the last fight and then uh, let's see 
This is great radio. Yeah, this is fantastic podcast. And then uh, Shevchenko comes in at five five one twenty five. So it's not that big of a yeah. gap actually, but I'll, the the weight difference, especially uh, Whaley, who's only fought at strawweight her entire career, having to move up. Yeah, that's what's uh, Shevchenko's reach? Is that on there that you're seeing right uh, now? Let me pull that up in one moment. And the thing is, I don't know Shevchenko's. They're they're kind of just they're both brawlers, and I think that right. fight would be mind blowing. I would love to see that, and it'd be a great way to uh, to market it because you with uh, with Wei Li you have Magnum, and with Shevchenko you have Bullet, so you have Magnum versus Bullet. Yeah. That'd be outstanding marketing for the UFC. That banner, uh, it's time. Oh, that'd be a great one to see at the beginning of the fight. <laughs> that'd be a main event, I'd think. Easily, it wouldn't be the co-main unless they get some absolutely. Maybe a Conor McGregor title fight in the same one, but I don't know. That'd, that'd be really interesting. I, I know Shevchenko has a fairly decent reach. Yes, she does, and I'm struggling to find it, and that's a problem. Yeah, I don't know. I don't Let's know if uh, she would probably have Zhang would probably. She, I don't think she could just go up and fight, you know, something like Chikagian right away, and then then no. contend for the. T- she'd have to go right for the title and for that unification belt. Absolutely. There's there's no. You can't. You can't you just can't move up and down like that. You can't not just take the point. steps. You got to go right to the top of the pyramid, in my opinion. Dang, having a tough time there, my man. I got it. I got <laughs> oh, it. Oh, you got it. So Shevchenko's reach is sixty-six inches, and then Zhang Weili is at sixty-three. So there's a three-inch reach difference there. Yeah. So one-inch height difference. Her her reach is one inch less than her height for Zhang. That's interesting. Yeah. You don't really see that that often. Mm-mm. So I think that'll definitely be the next step for uh, Zhang Weili if she beats Nami Yunus. And I don't know what will happen if Nami Yunus beats Zhang, but I don't, I, I don't see it happening. I assume that you don't see That throws that division into complete chaos. Yeah. It'll just, then everybody's just on the same plane in a sense, right. like the top five with Andrade, uh, Nami, Nami Yunus, Zhang, and uh, Yen Jaytrick. Yeah, because she pushed Zhang to the limit. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. I don't know. That's wild. This is going to be... I'm excited for the future of UFC after this fight. Yeah. women, I, Women's UFC, especially at this point, is going to a level that we thought Ronda Rousey would take it to. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because there's not really a marquee star in women's UFC. I mean, uh, Wei Li is obviously extremely popular in MMA circles, but there's nobody that's crossed over into even mainstream sports uh, where you see them being talked about on Sports Center and that kind of thing. Like John Jones is a mainstream sports star. Daniel Con- Cormier Conor is a McGregor. mainstream sports star. Conor McGregor. This Conor McGregor's above and beyond. Oh, everybody Conor McGregor is the biggest star mixed martial arts has ever seen. But there's not a marquee face in women's MMA right now. But it's still, in terms of competition, at the highest level it's ever been. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think it's interesting not having a face in women's UFC because it just gives so much. Uh, I can't find the word. I don't think parody is the right word, but it gives so much. Uh, like you want to find that face. You want to go and see these fighters more. It's like, oh, who's this on the card? Oh, I want to see these fighters rather than oh, like when Ronda Rousey. If you see, if you saw another woman fight at the time, you'd be like, oh, whatever. You just not watch it. But with Ronda Rousey, you'd be like, yes. But I think with more women becoming just moderate stars in MMA circles, it's definitely pushing the market for women's UFC. And I think what Zhang Weili is doing in China for the sport Mm -hmm. is absolutely incredible. And I think that'll definitely bring UFC to China a lot more. Absolutely. That's a market that the UFC's been looking to tap into for a while. And 
obviously it's a little bit of a different case because Brazilian jiu-jitsu is so much of a focus of modern mixed martial arts. Uh, but it, it can become something like what we see with the UFC in Brazil that we've seen for so long where it's almost a second home uh, to the UFC. Yeah, the next the next one is supposed to be in uh, where was it? Is it? I know this Brasilia. one, Brasilia in Brazil, the capital. But because of the coronavirus, it yeah. sadly got put behind closed doors. I don't, I don't think, I know. So for the next month or two, probably they're probably gonna have all the UFC events behind closed doors. Like, imagine Ferguson versus Khabib behind closed doors. That would be a absolute shame. That'd an be absolute a- shame. But if it happens. It happens. That's yeah. I know yeah. that'd be. It's an awful way to look at it, but like I can't imagine Bruce Buffer saying it's time in an empty arena, just echoing throughout the arena. That'd be weird. Yeah. So uh, it just stinks. Like the crowds in UFC just make the fight in the sense that you know it pumps you up at home too. Like I was about to go to UFC on ESPN number eight in Columbus, and that just didn't. Ha- that probably won't happen. So disappointed. That would have been my first UFC event. So we have. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, but we got Fight Night 171. Do you have anything on Oliveira or Lee? Lee versus Oliveira is an interesting one. Um, the ground game is the biggest thing for Oliveira. He's got a. I mean, he holds the UFC record for submissions with 13 out of his 16 wins. So, or no, that's. Yeah, in the 16 was in the UFC. Sorry. Uh, so it's an interesting one because, I mean, Kevin Lee's kind of seen as an up-and-comer at lightweight. He's favored in this fight, but it's not by much. And Oliveira's kind of trying to push himself back towards the top of that division. Yeah, he kind of fell out for a few years. He's just – how old do you think Oliveira is? 35? He's 30. What? Charles Oliveira is 30 years old. I swear he's been around for exactly. ages. He should exactly. be in his prime right now. He shouldn't be like at this spot in his career it's, right now. It's an interesting thing to look at. And then you look at Kevin Lee, who looked like somebody that the UFC was trying to strap a rocket to. I mean, they threw him in against Ally Quinta in his debut in the company. This is a guy that they were supposed to be pushing. I thought the, this guy was going to be like one of the next stars. He was supposed to be pushed. They, he was supposed to be the face of the lightweight division at some point. And it's, it's been up and down for him, but this is two really hungry guys that are trying to get back to the pinnacle of their division. And I think this is going to be a really good fight that I think a lot of people are overlooking. What, what division are they in? Lightweight. Again? That's what I thought. So it'll be a fast, quick paced fight. Right. So I think, I think if, Oliveira wins. He could probably can. He might be able to contend for a title, to an extent. Uh, Maybe, their, their rankings: Lee is at eighth in the division. Oliveira's at thirteen. Oh, so probably one more fight after that, and then he could probably compete for another division a title. So I think. Do you have any final thoughts before I close off the show? Uh, one thing I want to look at is uh, the co-main on that card with. Uh, with Gilbert Burns versus Damian Maya, uh, that's kind of a new face versus an old face at welterweight. And Damian Maya is basically on a retirement tour right now. And Gilbert Burns has uh, kind of been up and down through the welterweight rankings for a couple years, but he's 17-3. and three. So it's it's an interesting thing. This could kind of be the last marquee win that we get from Damian Maya as his career kind of winds down. Uh, 
So, I mean, from a nostalgia perspective, it's going to be a good fight to watch. But Gilbert Burns is somebody that, again, somebody like Kevin Lee that was considered a pretty high-level prospect coming in that has kind of been up and down over the years. He's somebody that's looking to to push towards the top of that welterweight division while Damian Maya is trying to finish off his career on a high note. Again, it's two guys just like that main event that are going to be hungry for a win. I think we're going to get a really good fight out of it. Yeah, so we got a good card for 171, but unfortunately we probably won't be able to review this one because so here at West Virginia University, we have been we will be on a 3-week br- hiatus from campus. So we are not able to come back to campus for three weeks. Two weeks of spring break and then indefinite online classes afterwards. Yeah, so we'll definitely have online classes for one week, but it'll probably be extended one one or two more weeks after that. So luckily I get my bed for four or five weeks, but unfortunately for you... you And just like that, the NCAA has canceled the men's and women's basketball tournaments due to uh, coronavirus. Man, this was Gonzaga's year. Anyway, back back to what I was saying. We So we might be... So I'm probably going to... Uh, send out software to the guys on the uh, not software online thing to guys who are on the Throne Hands podcast, Nick and Daniel, and we might try to do a little UFC 249 preview for you guys. 249. So look forward to that, and that's April 19th or something like that. Uh, one moment, I was just about to pull up the card. It's April 18th at the Barclays Center. So who we got on the card besides Khabib Ferguson? Uh, we're looking at Khabib Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson in the main event. I'm uh, just going to go through the main card here. Go ahead. Uh, the co-main, uh, Jessica Andrade versus Rose oh, Namajunas. That'll be great. Th- is that a title eliminator basically for the next challenger to Wei Li Zhang now? I would think so. It's kind of like a tournament in a sense. I would Whoever say. wins gets to fight the champ. And then on the rest of the main card at lightweight, we've got... Uh, Islam Makachev versus Alexander Hernandez. It's a good fight between a couple of young guys trying to make a name in that division. Uh, Makachev at 18-1, and one, Hernandez at 11-2. and two. And then a featherweight fight with Jeremy Stevens and Calvin Qatar. Uh, that'll be a fantastic card. And we will, uh, we will be almost sure to try and preview for that, guys. So we will see you when we see you, I guess. Thank you guys for tuning in for uh, another episode of Throne Hands. And we shall see you next time.